My grandmother, Mary May Hester Ratliff Weston, was born on October 1, 1909, in Anson County, North Carolina. Her mother, Dora, who was affectionately referred to as Grand Dora, was more than 30 years younger than her father, Graham, who had remarried after, her, after the death of his first wife. Graham was seven years old when the Civil War ended. My grandmother had at least seven half-siblings, in addition to three full older brothers, but she was the baby, the baby of the family, and she was spoiled, particularly by her father. But being spoiled meant something very different than it does today in the 1910s in the rural South, and if you were black. Being spoiled meant you sometimes got one thing that no one else got, even if it might not last very long. My grandmother liked to tell us about how she was spoiled one Christmas in particular. And Christmas wasn't to them about gifts, it was a time for church. But one Christmas, when she was still very young, she received the most precious thing she had ever seen up until then, an orange. It was rare and unique and incredibly dear. My grandmother used to say that that one orange was sweeter than anything she had ever tasted before and maybe tasted since. We take oranges for granted here, especially in that they don't grow here at all. In fact, we take for granted the fact that we have them year-round. Imagine if we could see and feel and taste the orange that my grandmother experienced. Imagine holding that much wonder in something that is so common to us. Take a moment, ask yourself what it might feel like to taste and experience the food that you eat as something totally new, something precious, something so dear that you feel spoiled by having it. One of the many causes for anxiety among students going through higher education at this time is something called basic needs insecurity. This is housing or actual homelessness and food insecurity. Tuition has become so burdensome that any kind of loan money available is used simply to stay in school and students just figure it out as far as housing and food. I talk to too many students who are, are, are having to have made peace with couch surfing or even living in shelters just to get by. Think about this. Here we are with arguably two of the most famous educational institutions in the world and a network of smaller but equally powerful and prestigious institutions of learning for so many different kinds of learning within a 10-mile radius of where we are now and consider that there are students going hungry in these institutions so that they can pay for books or a winter coat or rent. Consider the incredible dissonance between a combined $57 billion of endowment between MIT and Harvard and a student being malnourished. 
If that is the world we are creating for our best and brightest, can we even imagine what the world looks like for those who are most vulnerable? And so I ask, when do you have enough? When do we have enough? There is technically no need for anyone in the United States to be hungry, ever. There is an overabundance of food, but like most of our systems of value, something is severely out of whack. When do we have enough? Enough begins with recognizing that we are not just separate units that occasionally and selectively bump up against one another. In fact, we are a quilt. We are woven together. We create this thing called society every day with every action and inaction. But this isn't just a call for you to volunteer for Tuesday meals or Y to Y. And I love the fact that you're compelled to give generously to all of the different efforts that are available to help change specific outcomes around basic needs insecurity. I'm sure that after talking about the issues on college campuses, several of you will go right out onto Google and find out how you can contribute uh, food to a campus pantry or funding of the same. This is great. But while you do that, I want you to always consider on an even deeper level what you're doing in the everyday. What are you doing to live and relate to the world? Is it so important to you that you always shop in a place where you can be sure that the bananas aren't bruised? I'm asking you to go to the next level. Do you do the same thing with people? Do you only engage people who aren't bruised? Enough is always going to look different to everyone and feel different as well. It could mean looking at your house and saying, I don't need five empty bedrooms, or finding a way to give students in food need gift cards, or even inviting one or several to your home for a meal. But I believe it has to begin with breaking down the sense of us and them. Letting go of the false power differential that capitalism creates and recognizing that the person in need is you as much as the person who hasn't eaten or who has gone unhoused. This is the 500 level course of getting out of the way of your own generosity. It is a call for humility. By doing so, any gift you give, whether it is money, food, time, or even just attention and eye contact, will bring with it the real value of human dignity. The Bible quote said before, take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. Manna from heaven is as much about the spirit with which it is provided as it is about the substance of nourishment. I can't tell you what to do with what I'm sharing today, but I can ask you 
to look around this room and recognize that everywhere you go, even in this space, we have people experiencing the things I've named. And your job is not to sleuth out who needs what so you can fix them. No. Your first job is to recognize yourself in them first. To recognize yourself in the gentleman who sits outside this church by the graveyard most days collecting change. To recognize yourself in the young people who may or may not be on our steps gathered outside. To recognize yourself in the young people who are congregating outside of the banks across the street. To recognize yourself in the newcomer who was here for the first time today. To recognize all of these with no preconception or clever way of engaging. To recognize them and meet them where they are. And that only happens when you truly recognize their worth as equal to yours. Before you start trying to prove to someone that you are generous or anti-racist or ultra-liberal or safe or non-ableist or non-sexist or non-homophobic, before you or any of us can do any of that, we must make room for each other to be enough. Start by knowing that we all are enough to ultimately provide for one another. The breath and the blood and the spirit we share, that is the first taste of manna. It is how we spoil each other and let everyone know that they are truly special. And it is oh so sweet like the first ever taste of an orange on Christmas morning. May it be so.